Andy Mounsey, we're breaking in again. And we're talking now about people's patterns, how they behave in the wider society and what leads to prisoners going straight back into uh, the prison environment through reoffending. How does your work influence that? My stuff is, is all about giving these people skills and motivation to manage how they feel. So, and I use physical act- activity as the vehicle in order to do that. And that's important when you remember that more than half the people currently serving sentences um, are not there for rational cost-benefit reasons. Shall I do a crime or this crime or not, or organised crime? They're in there um, for crimes of the heart. In other words, failure to manage their emotions at a crucial time, either through peer pressure and or drugs plays a you know, big drugs that include alcohol plays a big part of that. So what that means is they've been in a situation and it's been an unthinking emotional response, which has meant that you know, they're where they are. And my stuff is around enabling um, the pattern to, to break that pattern. So you've got they're in a situation of temptation or provocation or, or whatever that is. And there's a pause before a considered response. So there's some thinking. Yeah. So you're trying to put this this gap between situation, emotion. You're trying to insert this, this time and space to think clearer in order to have a response that's more consistent with being a paid-up member of the human race in a law-abiding community. How does physical activity make that happen? Because uh, physical activity enables you to experience agency um, over your emotions uh, at a very simplistic level if as you and I both know Tony if we're feeling a bit uh, a bit down or a bit or a bit blue or a bit achy then a surefire way is just to get up go outside in the you know, in the fresh air and and walk now many of these people obviously can't go outside in the fresh air but they can certainly move you know some elements of physical activity is possible whether you're in an eight by four cell or on a wing, the point is to break the pattern of withdrawal, disengagement, stewing, inward looking. And physical activity is a great vehicle for that because by doing that, you can get to experience the, okay, so I'm feeling this way, but if I do this, I can feel another way, another better way. Oh, actually I can, you know, I have I can control how I feel. And that in essence is the big part of the work. The improvement in hard health and well-being markers like you know propensity for diabetes for diabetes, you know, obesity, uh, physical capacity. So, you know, can I get up from a chair unaided? Can I uh, get up from a floor if I fall down? That's all almost by the by. Um, though I do set my stall out around hard markers, uh, around blood pressure, resting heart rate, um, you know, lung capacity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of those are almost, you know, come on, Andy, you, you need to be hit. You know, that's almost wallpaper stuff. So you hit those anyway because there's no motivation like seeing the numbers go 
go in the direction that you want them to go. You go, okay, so so when we first started, Tony, um, you could only do half a flight of stairs before you had to sit down for at least a minute and get your breath and, and actually have help standing up, getting onto the landing and getting up again. And this week, you only had to sit down for a couple of breaths before you were up again. That's improvement. So how does this present itself, Sam? You go into the prison, you've got a group. What's typically, what sort of size of um, Yeah, inmates? it could be, again, it depends on, on the level of, of capability, both mentally, physically and emotionally that I'm working with. But generally, it could be you know, anywhere from, from 8, 10 through to, to nearly 20 at a time. And it is a group. And it's deliberately a group because one of the advantages of, of working in a group is if it's done done right, you've got an opportunity there to to collaborate, to support others, to support others in dealing with disappointment, to support others in, in sharing success, to collaborate to solve problems. So the whole kind of informal mentoring, buddy support stuff. So encouragement, yeah, so practicing teamwork. The skills, yeah, practicing the skills of giving a damn about another human being. Um, being able to experience uh, friendship and help and support, you know, sometimes, which is relatively rare things for these people, remember, enabling them to experience the benefits of being part of a supportive group, enabling them to experience the benefits of being a set of challenge that appears to be out of reach, and yet, you know, through through a deliberate way of going about that in collaboration with others to be able to experience, you know, meeting that challenge and quite often exceeding it. So to experience success through challenge, which is deliberately difficult. So the whole skill set around persevering through setbacks, resilience, mental, emotional resilience, you know, all these are reasons why I deliberately choose physical activity as a as a vehicle for this work. Is there a sort of baseline level that they all are taken through and then do you develop bespoke programs for each? All the programs are, are bespoke. Uh, I design according to um, the place that I'm in and the level of of the participants. So for example, if I'm working with relatively capable and able people who have um, reasonable skills of hearing, reading and writing, what they will experience will be much more intense. In other words, will you know, we'll make the experience, we'll throw more into it faster, harder. So it's and another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing think um SAS reality show but dialed back if you know dialed back a few okay. notches yeah but but the the principle is is still to heat pressure you know to expose them to to pressure but along the way to give them skills around dealing with that and coping with that and working with others to solve it and managing their own emotions etc cetera, etc cetera. so no hooded interrogation sessions that probably wouldn't go down too well but you're still piling the pressure on yeah Physically, yeah, and in a sense, emotionally, because back to what you said right at the outset, one of the targets is to prevent that unthinking reaction once they're back in society. 
Yeah, and actually starting at a mental level, so you're overloading them mentally in order to, to deliberately provoke you know, an emotional reaction because physically many of them just, just don't believe and or are and or, uh, rusty and or, if, you know, this stuff's just never done this kind of stuff. But the body's great at adapting to stimuli. That's never the issue. There's very practical stuff around doing it in a structured way so it, so it avoids injury. But I never started it from a physical capacity element. Everything I do is all scalable and inclusive. So um, at a very simplistic level, if the, the physical challenge at the time is, say, I don't know, we, we might do a, a, a step-up challenge because that's something you can do really easily on, on stairs or benches. Everybody can do it at their own level. You don't need any specialist kit. And it's, and it's very measurable. So in 30 seconds, Tony, you've just done 15 step-ups. So at a very capable end, everybody can do it, but even the old and frail, their version would be, how able are you to get up out of a chair? You know, it's, still, it's still a step up, they're still getting up, but what it means is you can, you can take you know, one exercise and with variations, everybody's doing a similar thing, but could be operating at a level that's, that's right for them. So in other words, it's inclusive. So my... Uh, choice of physical activity is always looking at, at something that, that is inclusive right across the capability scale, but also doesn't need any specialist kit or, or specialist time. But so that everybody can, can experience progression at their particular level. What about the frustrations that those people face inevitably when they realise that their limitations are significantly paired back from younger, fitter people. Yeah. So at, at one level, we, we get the toys out of the pram stuff and that's fine. And I, I position this you know, right at the start going, you can do all that and that's normal and I don't care. But the difference between, between the way I go about it and say, you know, we're back to, to the reality SAS thing is you can come back into mine. Mm. You can try again. Because that's, that's the difference. What I want is, you know, go away, reset, and we'll, we'll show you how to reset. There aren't losers here. And the, the ballsy bit is you choose to come back in and you give it another shot because that's the perseverance bit and that's what's going to, that's what's one of the things that's going to keep you on, on the straight and narrow for the rest of your time in here and when you go out. It's the capacity to screw up, but then come at it again differently. And that's the difference. So both deliberately pushing and making it deliberately challenging so that some will run screaming and others will just go flipping egg. <laughs> what? So you're deliberately overloading at an emotional and mental level, but also along the way, uh, giving them permission, you know, future pacing. This is what's going to happen. This is what you're experiencing, but also giving them permission around toys throwing and coming back in but then along the way also to to instruct and teach uh, around how to manage your emotions you know and the tactics and strategies that that you need to adopt to learn how to to work with that stuff because it's all teachable it's all skills that can be learned and acquired but but only when people are ready and receptive to 
to take that in. So it must be very satisfying watching people being prepared to swallow their pride. Yeah, it's 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 one of the reasons I do the work that I do. It's the people coming back in, um, or or even people that have walked away from it, but then will find you later, um, and sometimes much later, and go, do you remember that time when... And they'll explain what it was at the time, if it wasn't, or they'll have, and they'll have used it in their own way, in your absence, to build a bridge and, and make progress. You won't see that, but all of this, the privilege of... of having a ringside seat as people make personal progress through their own stuff is why I do the work that I do. And I've just chosen a particularly challenging environment in, in which to do that. Professionally, it's the ultimate test of, of the content and, and the style of the delivery. And when it works, it is incredibly rewarding. And because when, you, when it does work like that, you've given them a set of tools that they can take out of that environment. Yeah. They go back into the society that they were in before they were incarcerated and they're faced with those challenges. We talked about peer pressure earlier on and we talked about how they react in an unthinking way. The tools you've equipped them with make them do what? Yeah, and that's you know, the acid test is, is always when teachers out of the class, what does the class do? You know, when I'm gone you know, and you're faced in a similar situation of, of temptation and or peer pressure, you know, do you take a considered response that's consistent with, with a positive future versus an unthinking emotional response that's going to land you back in hot water? And, you know, the, the work is trying to put the odds more in favour of that they will choose a considered response that's consistent with the future, you know, back out in their community and not and not being returned behind bars. And that's, you know, that's having strategies and skills that are consistent with enabling them to manage their emotions at that crucial, crucial time in order to make a considered decision. That's, that's the acid test. And to do that when you're not around. Mm. So, you know, in a prison environment, what that means is reinforcement and reminders you know, coming from the role models that are around them, which is either their peers who have really adopted this. So on this current, this next round of work, the way I use buddies and mentors is going to be even more important. But again, we're back to the staff. You know, where are the positive visible role models for this kind of attitude, thinking and behaviour? It's in the people around them. Um, so we're back to what are your role modelling? And do the staff and do the management see these changes? I mean, we're in an office here, Andy, where there's shelves groaning with change management books, but that's the business that you're in. You're talking about these people changing their lives and how they manage the pressures that they're facing. What's the feedback you're getting from um, from the prison management and from staff about how inmates are responding to the programmes you're delivering? Again, it's relatively early days, and one of the patterns that that we are seeing is feedback around it makes the place feel safer. Really? Um, and the reasons for that is you've got 
more people, as a consequence of going through an experience like this, more people having each other's backs. And that applies at a prisoner and staff level as well as within the participant groups that have have enacted it. So I can give you two examples, most pertinent. I did a bunch of of work pre-COVID with three groups of men and when the when the lockdown windows opened briefly, I managed to get back in to one of my prisons and remade checked in with some of the men that were still there who had been through my programs. And one of the themes of feedback that came out was the stuff that they experienced and learned during during the work had kept them sane and was keeping them sane during the 23 hours behind bars. And one of that was because you know, they didn't feel, that you know, even though they were on their own, they didn't feel isolated. Interesting. They, they knew that you know, there were some of the other people that were on the programme that they'd gone through this experience with were, were there and around and would, you know, this teamship and comradeship was there. So the, I am on my own and I feel less isolated and that helps me get through this bit um, came came through and continues to be a theme. The whole, you know, teamship as a consequence of what we went through with Andy with, as a group, those bonds still stay strong and, and the men will default to to that group even where they're most widely dispersed in the prison because it's kind of you know they get them the bonds are more intimate and stronger so in other words it's it's looking outwards for help and support rather than defaulting inwards and the other stuff is where there have been um, members of staff participating alongside uh, men serving sentences this humanization this breaking down of labels and myths as a consequence of spending you know, time with people and going through a challenging experience together, dealing with disappointment together, sharing success together. Is that the norm, that staff will take part in the programme? No. Uh, sorry, it's not the norm in a prison environment. It's the norm on my stuff. Right. So you Again, encourage the staff yeah, to Yeah, very deliberately, because right. of this breaking barriers down thing. And actually, you know, getting to the shared understanding that we're all here for the same thing, which is that you're released and we don't see you again. Mm. Yeah. As a, as a member of staff, that's what I want. Mm. As, as, as a man serving his, his sentence, that's hopefully what you want. Um, so what that means beyond the programme, and this is the feedback that, that continues to come in, is that you've got members of staff who have men whose, whose opinions and contributions that, that they trust more, and can rely on more, which means that, that there's a means to head off trouble, be more proactive, you know, have more of an insight into actually you know, what's going on because there's a trusted dialogue there. So, and, and for men serving sentences and understanding that staff are actually there to support them, want the same thing, and are not nameless demons there to take away everything that... that they possibly have or, or could have had for, for no reason that that's how they feel when they so it's, it's, the, it's, it's the physical and of course the mental um, resilience that starts to grow feeling as though they're a part of something yeah right? so there's elements of teamship uh, around you know having each other's back so you've got you, what we've got is you know 
more prisoners supporting staff as opposed to deliberately sabotaging and more staff empathising and having a more human reaction to the men in their care and both parties understanding that actually they're there for the same thing and actually that gets achieved better, faster, smoother if they are in collaboration rather than conflict. So does that mean we've talked previously about um, the work that you're doing now being supported by an NHS region, but does that mean that the prison governors, that management are beginning to see the value of the work that you're doing? Are you getting that type of response? Yes, because of the feedback that's starting to to come out. Again, it's still relatively small and, and fairly piecemeal, but we're starting to build some patterns which is starting to get some traction because it's starting to to take notice what what it means is is it gives me more opportunity to to work at a culture change level with senior management than i probably could have done in the in the earlier days because that's effectively you know we're back to the well you get what you're role modeling boys and girls what are you role modeling you mentioned patterns earlier on um I'm guessing the proof of the pudding lies in the pattern of repeat behaviour. I don't know whether there is any indicative um, data available yet that indicates whether or not some of those patterns of reoffending and those prisoners who've been through your programme bouncing back to the same extent as those non-participants. Again, too too early to tell. Um, the bigger picture, again, as we've we've said before here, is that six, seven out of ten uh, of those released uh, from jail will be back inside within twelve months. That statistic you know, remains un- unchanged. My work and many others like like me you know, is to contribute to reducing that statistic. For the first time, um, I have an opportunity to get my stuff externally evaluated because. Uh, I've been doing all my feedback gathering and results gathering up till now, and really I shouldn't be marking my own homework. So from a sure. from a credibility point of view, one of the opportunities that funding by NHS gives for the next two years is is that to get it externally external, evaluated. External evaluation. Yeah. Um, and that happens at two levels. One, you know, within the prison while while the men are still there serving sentences. You know, that's pretty easy to do because it's all very controllable and finite. You know, it's a much more longer term evaluation tale to track and follow some of the men post-release over, you know, one, two, three years because that's the acid test. Um, And that's a much longer term evaluation project. Um, But that needs to happen as well in order to demonstrate the, the, the credibility for the work. It's whether there's that pause, that moment of thought before the emotional instinctive reaction. As you've said previously on many occasions, Andy, uh, these people don't reoffend because they think they're suddenly going to become squillionaires by delivering right. them the, some extraordinary crime. They're, there's an emotional yeah. reaction that's uncontrolled and unthinking. What you're about is a step in to prevent that. Yeah, putting time and distance between you and your emotions and having deliberate skill set to do that, but also at the heart of it, you know, knowing that physical movement and physical activity you know, is a big part of that and having that as part of your daily routine and ritual and getting it to a point where 
you miss it when it's not there because that's how that's how you know it's important you know for all of us how do we know how do we know it's important in our lives well we miss it when it's not there definitely well let's hope there's not too much time and distance before you and i sit down uh, again andy and see how things are progressing thanks for your time thank you tony